everyone. This is David with Simmer Rabbit Trails, and I'm joined by Adam and Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> We're still getting that down, but anyway, uh, Merry Christmas to you guys. Uh, we have been watching Elf, and for those who haven't seen it, definitely it is a fantastic film full of uh, great one-liners and whatnot. Uh, so those, real quick summary, as we always do. So you have uh, Buddy the Elf, who is actually a human, who has mysteriously appeared at the North Pole and he's raised as an elf and then he finds out he's not really an elf and he goes back to New York to find his family. So he finds his father named Walter who owns a book company and Walter's on the naughty list and he's just completely heartbroken at this this reality. So it's the story of him Christmas being restored, the Christmas spirit, him finding out who he is, being accepted by his human family and you know, just Christmas being restored and Santa being able to do what he does. So Definitely, it's a lot of good, uh, fun moments in the movie. So, off the bat, what is some of your favorite, or what is your favorite elf quote? Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? Mm. Absolutely my favorite. Classic. Yeah. It has been tempting to do that at work, I will be, I will be honest. <laughs> oh, I've done that at work. It's <laughs> great. It's, it always gets good reactions. So. No. Uh, this one, I guess some people can gloss over it, but it's uh, where he comes into the, the store after he's been fired. And he says, um, oh, it turned out pretty fine. They gave me a restraining order. And it's just like, <laughs> it's like and you should probably get out of here. But I love that just the, the kind, like, he's just so nonchalant about it. It's great. I love um, uh, when he's asking Jovi out on a date. He's like, so, you want to get food? Y- you know, like, the code. It's <laughs> just this awkward week. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's just a lot of fun, uh, fun quotable moments, you know, Francisco in in the film. So, but uh, I want to ask you guys, how has Christmas changed for you as a kid now being an adult? For me, it really hasn't actually outside of just like some of my own responsibilities of like getting gifts for others because it was, you know, at a certain age, you can actually start buying things. Um, that's kind of been the only change. Uh, and, and then, you know, living away from Mike's and family, getting to do certain things all the time, like Christmas caroling has changed to some degree, but that's mainly just practical changes. It hasn't been like there's been a spiritual or emotional change for Christmas for me. I've always loved it. Uh, there's never enough Christmas decorations around the house. There, You can never have too many. And uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of been it. So, yeah. So you're like Elf when he's decorating the whole... Oh, yeah. One of my favorite things we did that, of course, we don't really do anymore, uh, real quick, is that we used to have... Oh, my mom always puts these uh, little... Um, they're kind of like um, clay houses, like these little clay Christmas houses that actually our, our stockings hang from. What we would do is always, uh, when we were kids, is actually take... We had a giant table where we had this massive Lego city that me and my brothers played with like every single day. So for Christmas, what we did is take you know a couple of characters and create a whole Star Wars lightsaber duel uh, or whole war scene on top of each of our houses and kind of see who's the coolest. So we had <laughs> nice. all these Lego characters fighting around our house. It was great. So that is cool. It's the original Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That is cool. That's, uh, so minus, I would say pretty much the same thing, just minus the cool Lego building, but... <laughs> Apart from that, too, is just a growing family. I think, you know, we, we started off as a child. It was just the three siblings with us, me, my, uh, me and my sister and my brother. And then we have another sister now, and uh, it's just grown from there. You know, now I have a, have a uh, 
uh, what do you call them? <laughs> a niece, a niece. I'm sorry, a niece. I have a family. <laughs> I have a family. Yeah, so we have a niece now, so oh. it just really has more to do with the growing family, and sometimes things can change with that, but not significantly. I'd say it's been very much uh, similar. Good. So what is hard for you about Christmas now, though? What What's kind of frustrating about how Christmas just occurs today? I think just in the the general issue of commercialism is really really it, where it's more focused on the bright lights rather than the purpose for the holiday. You know, there's a lot of just misunderstanding as far as when these come around, it's not just a festivity; it actually does have purpose. Hence the word Christmas. So uh, there has been some some loss there of what it actually means, and you just see that in terms of. Uh, the way we we almost skip over Thanksgiving, you know, we eat our meal and then we jump on to 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 uh, okay, what am I gonna what am I going to get for Christmas and all of these things? Suddenly, it's it has a little more of a a greedy turn, and that's not true for everybody, but I do see that uh, becoming more prevalent now. Isn't that ironic? Like you have Thanksgiving and then Isn't it? Christmas. Yeah. See, see. <laughs> yep. I'm I'm kind of a little bit on the opposite side of things is that I Ooh, love debate. I, I not the debate necessarily not that I love the commercialism of it but I love the fact that it's you know all about there's so many lights and all about selling decorations selling gifts you know what's the next thing there is a commercialness to it that is kind of annoying but every aspect of Christmas the more that it's there the more people are um, getting in on the commercial side there's actually more to talk about. And the more people who are a part of that, like Christmas lights, that all started with, especially on the tree, that started with Martin Luther. Like, that was mm. them, the first Christmas tree there, and they put candles on it. That was, like, really? yeah, that was the first Christmas lights. Uh, obviously, Christ's birth, even Santa Claus. Like, well, you know, the original story behind Santa Claus was there was a saint who actually was part of the church, the part of the Catholic church, and he went and actually dropped gold down this family's house who had this dad this single dad who had three daughters he didn't have the money to marry them off because that's the the father was supposed to give a dowry so he found out about this and actually uh, climbed up their roof and dropped bags of gold down the chimney that was actually the first that was actually a priest who did that or a bishop who did that and um that created this legend of uh saint nicholas and which turned into santa claus and so it turned into this whole thing. Like, there's a story behind it that actually links back to Christianity in every single way that's been commercialized. Mm. So I kind of love that aspect of let's sell as much of this commercialized agenda as we can because it, it gives us more to talk about on mm. some of this stuff. Um, Interesting. If it comes down to, like, oh, everyone's supposed to be this super, you know, humble spirit. Like, we want that. We want humility and everything. But um, this uh, flamboyancy that comes out of the commercialism of Christmas is can be kind of helpful to actually have those conversations so Hmm. just occurred to me you know how like if you're if you're good you get presents if you're not you get coal and if that's the case it's like you're gonna drop you know presents down the (laughs) chimney he drops cold down the chimney. It's not like it's gonna harm the fire or anything. It's, it's gonna... <laughs> I mean, honestly, give me some coal. I mean, it's it's uh, you get you can get some good money off of selling coal. So let, give it over. Come on. There we go. <laughs> not fun for a kid, though. No, 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 no. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the naughty list. Not that naughty list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Walter is uh, when Buddy hears that his father's on the naughty list, mm-hmm. he just. Is beside himself. No. Yeah, pretty like much. Frodo with with Gandalf. No. Yeah. No. Anyway, so he's 
uh, just lost that Christmas spirit. So why do you think for Walter, there's two interesting contrasts. One, you have Walter, who's on the naughty list, but then you also have Jovi, who's the girl that mm-hmm. uh, Buddy falls in love with and, and so on. So he talks to her and she says, oh, I'm just trying to get through the holidays. And Buddy's like, get through? What do you mean get through? They're an amazing time of year. So why do you think Walter's on the naughty list and why has he lost the Christmas spirit? And why do you think Jovi has lost the Christmas spirit? Yeah, so let me first say their commonality. It would be self-preservation. So you have Jovi trying to get through the holidays, just trying to get through this seemingly meaningless holiday. You see that she's clearly been in retail for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Did you say rehab or retail? We need rehab from retail. That was great. Just like retail, you're like, nope, I get you right there. Yep. Yeah, don't you? So, and that's that's so sad that that's so clear, you know. But she's you. You clearly see the retail that's been taking place, or the. what the history she's had just with that and because of that she's she's exhausted this time comes around she just she's just really cynical about the whole thing and and doesn't see a whole lot to be happy about you know the the only people who are cheery are probably the people who come in and buy gifts and don't talk to her so she probably feels avoided too but you see self-preservation there but also you see it with walter of trying to get around uh dedication to his work too like the very first thing of the nun talking to him and him being like, uh, you know, uh, the the children love the books, you know, are you going to continue giving that? And he's just not willing to continue negotiating. <laughs> it's for the money. children. Yeah. And, the children and also with the, the storyboard, with the story that came out, right? He, he yeah. there was a reprint potentially. And he just, he was just like, no, let's just pass it on. There may be a few pages, but who looks at it? You know, do kids actually care about the stories they're reading? So you see him tra- mm-hmm. taking a lot of shortcuts, but it's all... It's all just self-preservation, him way, his way of uh, surviving it and, and also just taking the easy route, route mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to me, too, is that we, we talk about the naughty and nice list as uh, this, like, your good throughout the year is supposed to outweigh your bad. Yet when it comes actually mm-hmm. down to it in the movies, every story of someone actually going transitioning from the naughty list to the nice list is them actually getting in the Christmas spirit and actually cre- giving uh, giving of themselves and doing some selfless act that shows that they've actually, they want to change or they have changed. It's kind of like, but wait, that was one good deed. That didn't outweigh all the bad stuff they did all year, right? So it's well, kind I mean, of it's kind of. But funny. I mean, Home Alone 2 logic, she says, it's Christmas Eve. Good, good, good deeds count extra for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's all it is. For, for the whole year, that's a really hard sell there. If you yeah, that's that's how that works. It's just like the five second rule. You know, you drop something onto the floor. The germs are just like, wait, five seconds, then we can attack. Okay, the Christmas, it's the Christmas rule. It's the five second rule. So, Same thing. Yeah. So I had said, I said at first with commonality, and then I just ended. So sorry about that. But would you say just Jovi is a younger version of him, of Walter, maybe, of like falling into that cynical spirit of just like I don't care. I have a job, but I don't really care about it, and I'm gonna take all the shortcuts I want and get away with it somehow. Yeah, maybe she could sort become of that, that maybe. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking, but yeah. yeah I don't know. I think there is some difference just the development of it. I mean, generally speaking, yeah, they're they're the same in a lot of ways, but I think it's more like Jovi has had has been uh pushed into cynicism like you even just see her boss at work is like he's just all about the words and it's got a brand new man yeah he's he's all about commercializing it like he is the epitome of the commercializing christmas boss so he wants to make bank on this uh even after buddy does the whole thing he's like yeah this place looks really good someone must be gunning for my job like Mm -hmm. he goes straight to the business side not the this place looks like 
Like, it looks like the North Pole. Jeez, this is awesome. We don't sing stuff. in the North Pole, remember? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. No, we don't. Yes, we do. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, no, you're good. And then uh, with uh, with uh, Walter, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is necessarily with him. It's more like maybe more just he's the boss of it. Like, he hmm. is Jovi's boss in some way. He's he's kind of been in the commercializing of Christmas too long to the point where he realizes that nobody actually really cares about this. They just feel mm. obligated to, t- to take part in it. So mm. I can, I can cut corners and just make the money. That's all that matters. Okay. So it's more like Scrooge kind, kind of like of, a Scrooge yeah, taking advantage of the business side of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like we guys are saying is like, she's more of like, it's a hard time of season because I feel like I'm, it's just, I'm, I'm under all the stress. There's pressure. It's yeah. hard. He's on the other side of, this is the time to make money. Both mm-hmm. of them are like, this really doesn't mean anything to yeah. anybody. She's on the receiving end. He's on the, let's make money off of it. Though. Yeah. And you kind of see that in how they react. I mean, Walter is, I'm going to work until I possibly can on Christmas Eve. Whereas Jovi is just like, I just want to get out of here. Yeah. Mm, that's true. So then how do they both receive uh, the Christmas spirit again? That sounds so beautiful. They receive the Christmas spirit. How do they, uh, how do they get that back? At the end of the movie, through a savior that is both equally elf and man. <laughs> oh man! I had and with correlation. This, I'm you know, sorry. With this... <laughs> There's some Yo, like, over spiritualization to be talked about. There, it's like he's both he's equally elf and equally man. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's fully human, but he was raised by elves. So yes, yeah, so it's similar. Well, the, the little girl he's talking to, she's like, "Oh, I like your outfit. Are you an elf?" He's like, "No, I'm a human." I was raised by elves. And then she's like, oh, I'm a human, and I was raised by humans. Just that, yeah. It's basically, it comes down to, I think, that what changes both of them is that they realize that, um, well, how do I put it? There, there, there has to be a childlike belief. You have, to, you have to basically humble yourself like a child. Like, to use a scriptural reference, you have to humble yourself like a child and do it. Whereas, and I think that was a little bit easier for Jovi just because of... She she did she was in love with Buddy and so she kind of had that uh, that inspiration to cling on to. Whereas Walter, it was kind of more like he had to make his family kind of dragged him along into it when they were all caroling, and it was more kind of like he realized he had to actively choose. I need to do this proactively, and my heart and his heart kind of follows along with it after that. Um, so and it, it's more the choice whenever it comes down to him and his son, uh, not Buddy, but his son Michael. It's like mm. it comes down to. Yeah, I have to be with my family. Like, my family has to take priority. It becomes so clear. Like, there's a very vivid choice before him of job or family, which is going to be most important to me. And he proactively chooses family. And then it comes to the caroling, and he has to proactively choose Christmas and that childlike mentality. And it kind of leads him into adopting the childlike mentality when he gets his own publishing company, does the story of Elf, and really cares for the story. So it kind of takes that trail, whereas with Jovi, it's more kind of like... Yeah, I want to emulate that. It's like mm-hmm. she she kind of falls in love with that same spirit of Christmas that Buddy has, whereas Walter has to choose it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Buddy Buddy obviously was the common factor yeah. uh, with them, but and also I think they both simply recognized, you know, that th- there was something larger than themselves to think about, and so they that's where they kind of got immersed in it. Like Jovi remembered what Buddy had told her about, you know, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing love for all to hear. Yep. <laughs> and she knew that she knew that there was there were some things at stake and so she did it. Not just because 
she somehow felt like she was now in the Christmas spirit, but because she saw the need for it hmm. uh, and started looking unselfishly outside of herself. Yeah. So there, there was a gift to give, you know. Hmm. And in this case, it was a, it, for her the gift of song, but also for Walter, it would be the, I think just the gift of love. Hmm. Like he just recognized he, he, he was, uh, that business mentality was taking a lot from who he actually was. I think, and he just, he kind of lost sight. He grew numb to, to what, yeah. what uh, fatherly, importance he had or just that paternal side that was really important to his family yeah you could even put it this way whereas uh joby had to <clears throat> had to conquer her fear uh and uh walter had to let go of his pride in the end that's kind of what it mm-hmm. came down to so and both could only be done out of actual love mm. that is true yes that's good good points so on that note then <clears throat> On the topic of love, I know we could dive really, really deep into this, but we don't have to go too, too, too deep. <laughs> but um, the, there's the question where Walter, um, Buddy comes in and he's excited to tell how he's in love. He ruins this uh, um, boardroom meeting with, um, and anyway, his um, Walter tells him because he ruins the whole meeting, and Walter says, "Get out of here! I don't care that you're my son. I don't want you in my life. Get out!" And Buddy, of course, runs off and is very, very sad. But then he reconnects with Bell, uh, Buddy. He says, Buddy, back there, what are, all that things I said, I didn't mean any of it. So the question to you guys is, why is it that we hurt the people the closest to us? Mm, that yes. we love the most. Fear of vulnerability. People you love the most are also the closest to you and can point out your flaws or your mistakes. And we, in our own pride, don't want, don't want that. Walter is very, very proud. So when Buddy is there just like loving everybody to the fullest extent he possibly can and just smothering them with love. It's, it's, it's great to watch, but, and he's also invited into his home. It just leaves, it leaves Walter feeling both inadequate, um, and, uh, inadequate for his family. Cause buddy is just loving his family and his family loves him back. Mm. And now he's, he's kind of felt left out to dry and realizes his own inadequacy there. And now he's fearful because it's exposing him and he doesn't want to be exposed. So he's lashing out in anger because, someone who loves him and we see he actually truly loves whether he would say it or not at first at that time is is exposing him and that leaves him vulnerable and we don't like that we don't like being vulnerable so we stay away yeah we hide in the corner we exchange only pleasantries with family and don't really go deeper with them we stay at our work yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and there's a you could see almost your family relationships as like uh, you have building credit over time almost where it's just like where you're interacting the times you're interacting like the reasons why we're connecting so well is because we've had connections in the past right it builds up uh, all those experiences build up to to appreciate one another over time where you don't have that opportunity as much with uh, like your outer friendships and people like that who you're more just acquainted with uh, but with that it's like there was already a little baggage uh, involved with Walter and Buddy because Remember, Walter was just annoyed as heck <laughs> with Buddy. And because of that, suddenly all, just in that moment, it all came back up and showed itself back up. So some of it, I think, just had to do with, with the baggage that we carry with those we, we care about the most. It's because, like, if, if my sister lashes out, uh, I might think of a time where I was frustrated in the past with her and then claim that against her. Hmm. Um, and then it would just, you know, be this bickering. But, like, if one of you guys were to lash out, you know, it would be like, what's wrong? Are you okay? That kind of thing. And so there's, like, there's a difference between family and friendship in that respect, in that 
uh, you build a history with each other. Um, and you still do with friendship, but it's just so much more intimate and connected with a family. Good. Mm-hmm. It can be very hostile, too. <laughs> I like that. Um, so, yeah, let's transition to uh, they talk about the spirit of Christmas. And one of the things, in the movie at least, is that Santa's sleigh, it, it flies on Christmas spirit and how... <laughs> It's been declining so much over the years. He actually has to put a jet engine on the bottom of the sleigh to get the sleigh to fly. And so anyway, he's just saying there's no Christmas spirit. And so we talk about that a lot, get in the Christmas spirit. So what is, there's two ways we could look at this. What is the Christmas spirit from a non-faith perspective and then also from a faith perspective? From a non-faith perspective, I think the Christmas spirit is, I mean, it depends on who you're asking, the cynic, um, unfaith, the non-faith believing person, or just more the generic uh, non-faith I'm non-faith saying like, because a cynic would just say Christmas is just not a time just to give people gifts right. that they really don't want. I'm talking about like, we're talking about the spirit of Christmas, like okay. that Santa's looking for. Okay, that, okay. Sounds like Santa's like a power-hungry mom, oligarchy, where it's just like, I feed off of your Christmas spirit. <laughs> well, he's the opposite of it, which we I covered. I was going to so. say. Yeah. <laughs> he, wow. he feeds off yeah. the spirit, not the, not the fear. So. <laughs> that took a dark turn. I'm sorry. <laughs> Santa versus it. It's like he's the one. It, it's like the eater of worlds, and Santa's like, I bring joy to worlds. <laughs> Okay, well, oh, yeah, listen- that's like a dark turn. Yeah, if you're listening to this on Christmas Day, just forget the last uh, 20 seconds <laughs> yeah, of your life. <laughs> or maybe not, you know. It's, uh, that's fun. If it gives you a good laugh, that's worth it. Keep okay, going, cool. Jerry. Uh, yeah, what, what's, what Santa is looking for. Um, <laughs> I'm never going to hear that ever normal again. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want this movie now, so. Yeah. Santa versus Stephen King's It. Next movie. Yeah. All right, but what Santa is looking for is... Um, Really just, are you willing to give of yourself to others? I think that's just kind of the the bare basic of it. And, you know, you could maybe be a little bit cynical and saying, well, there's nothing really selfless because you're kind of, you're giving of yourself to others, but kind of expecting a gift back in return. And maybe that's that's absolutely true in just a, a secular Christmas spirit sense of what Santa's looking for. But, but again, like we kind of mentioned earlier, it is kind of odd that we talk about the naughty and nice list as if you're... Good has out has your good outweighed your bad across the rest of this year, starting January first. But um, when it comes down to the storytelling, it often comes down to well, okay, you've been a good person all year, maybe, but then you have the person who's been on the naughty list, and all it takes for them to move over is one really heartfelt selfless act, is what it comes down to. So, and you see that with Walter, even like he gets on the nice list. I mean, we don't actually see it, but perceptually we say he goes to the nice list because he starts being selfless and cares for his family. Um, and that somehow kind of wipes away everything he's done that put him on the naughty list. So change of heart is basically what it comes down to. Um, in a faith sense, I would just say it is, I, I was actually thinking about this today cause our pastor was talking about, he taught, we've been going through a series on Luke chapter two, which is the Christmas story. And we went through verses 15 to 20 and in verse, I think it's, uh, I think it's 19, and Mary pondered all these things in her heart. And that's like, that is why we have Christmas. Like, it's not just, okay, here's the story of Christmas, and let's talk about it, that like, we're going to remember this. But, like, verse 19, where, where Mary actually 
ponder, it says Mary pondered these things in her heart. That is the faith version of Christmas. That's why we have Christmas because we have an example of someone who this is worth pondering. And it's it's not just some random. It wasn't just the shepherds who are like this is really weird. We need to think about this. This was the woman who God chose to carry His Son, who carried the Savior of the world in her womb for nine months, birthed Him in a a, a cave cow stall, the manger, and then sees all this miraculous stuff happen about her and recognizes the divinity of Jesus, her son she just bore, and it's like. She needs to. She herself proclaims to need to ponder these things. To process this. She's just like this is beyond anything I could even possibly understand. I need to ponder even the child I just bore because yeah. he is God's son. Yet I have borne him, and look at what God is doing all around this. And that is why we have Christmas because Mary's example of pondering these things. Yeah. So that's what it comes down to. It's pondering the gift of Jesus and then trying to emulate that exact same example of giving of ourselves. Excellent point, Jerry. Yeah, appreciate that. That that helped me to see it in a different way too. Yeah. I can't wait to say you're going to top it. <laughs> the, it's not. It's not going to be topping. <laughs> it's not about topping. So, it's not. There's no it's sharing. Um, so the way that you see faith and non-faith. I'll say this first. I think there is love and good cheer on both sides. Good cheer. Okay. But also there is a matter of faith always, whether you're of a non-faith or a faith. Uh, because I just contradicted myself. There is faith on both sides. <laughs> the reason for that, though, is because uh, there is a sense in which you're still hoping for good in this world. Like even if you're just giving a gift, you're still saying, "I have faith that there is that you will enjoy this, that you will see something beyond just this gift, that you'll actually uh, have a have an enjoyment of this and our fellowship and." It's a belief us in together. conviction. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, yes, uh, conviction and so on. So there, there is love, but th- then there's also good cheer of, of just there are things to be excited about. There are things to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you see that on both sides, but I, I do think it's just one is more temporal, the other is, is eternal because you have, you have uh, if you come with it in faith, I mean, a lot of that has to do with what Jerry said, uh, being able to ponder over this holiday, be ponder over... Uh, the entirety of life and how this season alone can impact mm. our entire lives. Yeah. Uh, but instead, you know, it, it, if you do not believe in that, then you approach it in a way where you can still, you can still love one another. You can still be generous, but it just won't go beyond the holiday. Yeah. No, it will, it will remain fixed in that time. Mm. Uh, and then you just do it again the following year. So there's, there's still a sense in which you have love and good cheer on both sides. It's just yeah. one is going to have a longer shadow. And you think about it, you think of all the people who, uh, of secular culture who are anti-Christmas. Like, I know you were, you were saying that you've run into people who say that, like, oh, we don't celebrate Christmas, and I know you'll talk about that, but... And it's not, and, that's, and I'll just say real quick, it's not that yeah. they're basically anti-Christmas. There are oh, yeah. people who are like, sure. we don't celebrate Christmas, but there are people, like, we are becoming a more globally diverse mm-hmm. culture, country, where it's like, there are people who are among other countries and cultures are like... We don't celebrate Christmas. Yeah, you know, just so it's kind of an odd conversation because you're so used to that. But yeah, keep going. well, it's it's funny. It's so contradictory in that. Okay, sure, Christmas is a Christian holiday. It stems from Christian beliefs, and there are at uh, like the Santa Claus thing is okay. We can connect it back to the Catholic Church and the Christian faith. Okay, but 
people don't buy that one way or the other oftentimes and they just celebrate okay here's a bunch of lights we give gifts it's all inspired by this fictional character santa claus lives in the north pole with elves makes toys and spreads them miraculously throughout the world okay cool it's this thing we we pitch to kids and we have to have a child likeness about it and try to sell that to them um, so there's some cynical secularism to Christmas, but the wonderful thing that's so funny to me that's contradictory when people say that, oh, we don't celebrate Christmas, or it's all commercialized, it's just kind of dumb, or, you know, we say we want to say happy holidays, not merry Christmas, and um, the contradictory thing is that it's those same people who will go about saying, like, we just need to get everyone together and actually get everyone to, to talk and agree, and we can kind of have this utopia if we all get in on this and agree. That's what Christmas is. That's mm. the hope of Christmas in a secular sense is you you see all these lights in neighborhoods, all the decorations, all the sales in the stores, the selflessness that we're trying to do, even if we don't succeed. That's everyone agreeing and showing how beautiful we can make this place if we actually all get in on this and agree on, on celebrating this time of year, making sure the kids are just filled with joy. Even if we have meager resources, we, we give of each other. That's the entire premise, and that's spawned from Christian beliefs. And so in your effort to try to kill Christmas, or if you're anti-Christmas, if you're just kind of like, eh, it's this commercial thing, you know, it's just invented to make sales, whatever, or it's just kind of dumb, whatever it is, if you just don't celebrate it or cynic about it, the entire point of Christmas is to show, at least on a secular level, that if we all kind of come together here and are and live by faith, not by sight, and show that to kids that they need to have some hope and some faith, in whatever it might be, we can we can actually make this a pretty beautiful place. That's the point of us decorating our houses and just going all Christmased out. That's that's the entire point of it to sh to show that to kids and to the rest of the world that this is what happens when we actually come together in faith and hope. Yeah, that's right. And that only comes from a Christian perspective. Yet you're mm -hmm. going against that, but you proclaim the same thing that the whole world needs to come together. It's just it's contradictory. Yes. So. Yeah. Agreed. That was, that was my no, no, no. That was, was my speech. I was just, I was just like the Christmas spirit is rising. <laughs> this is, this is so kind of uh, as an extension of the question we asked earlier with Walter, um, in both perspectives, how do we, how do we lose that, that spirit? This could be even in your own life uh, that you've like seen where, come and gone, or just people around you. How do we lose it? How we, how do we lose that, that spirit of that? This is something for everyone that we can unite around and, you know, find fellowship and community with other people on. I think when we get weighed down by our own frustrations, like finding those small irritant irritants of the season and making them larger than they actually are, growing them, expanding them to ridiculous lengths. Like an irritant like... Give me an example. Like, well, there's a commercial, commercial, Christmas songs. Let's go with Christmas songs. So like you can, <laughs> you can be really frustrated with Christmas songs because you hear them every year on the radio, the same ones over and over again. And it almost seems like it's brainwashing everybody because <laughs> they're like, oh, we love this. You know, we love to come back to it every year. And you're like, but it's the same thing you heard last time. You're just responding to nostalgia, you know, that kind of thing. And, but if you take that and you apply that to the entire season then yeah you're you're going to hate the season you're gonna you're gonna take that moment in time or just gonna take that small frustration and expand it to everybody who you come in contact with who loves christmas okay. it's a one size fits all and that's dangerous so you're saying that like you take a frustration and then you just let that dominate your season and then mm -hmm. you let that spread to other everybody else 
Exactly. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Spreads like wildfire, yep. Okay. I... I agree with that. At the same time, I think there's a deeper level to go to, and I think it comes uh, down to no. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> just kidding. Deeper level. So no, I think there's there's an alternative. It, let me just. Name. Is it a darker level too, Jerry? No, no, that... no, no. Okay, no. It, <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Uh, I would say it comes down to the way we lose it is by people expecting the season to um, just uh, mm. proactively put on this Christmas spirit by nature, as opposed to choosing it. And so with Christmas songs, hmm. it's make a choice to actually, you know, find the ones you love, find the versions of this, of your favorite Christmas songs. Don't worry about the radio. Those are always going to be there and they're always going to just be, they're going to be kind of drab. And, um, I think the ones that they put on radio are often the depressing versions in a lot of ways with a few exceptions, but, uh, they're the very commercial ones you hear in the retail stores. Yeah. So there's, there's some aspects of just, you know, be proactive and kind of avoiding the ones that kind of put you in a downer mood. Uh, cause they're definitely out there or the ones that just get too old. But proactively find the ones that you really love. Listen to those. Uh, proactively find traditions that you like. I think that's another thing is that we don't proactively create our own traditions around Christmas, and we kind of go yes. to we go to the go to traditions oh, uh, of just yeah. you know presents and uh, that's that's virtually it. Presents, trees, lights. That's kind of it. But we don't find our creative ways around it and and yeah. our own our own niches that we really like niche. Niche, yeah, whatever niche. it is. Niche. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, I was thinking Frederick Nietzsche and like, no way, that's not right. <laughs> so, I was thinking Eric Matthews from Boy Meets World. He, gets, <laughs> he says niece and niche. He gets some confused. Oh, but. but yeah, we don't, we don't proactively choose the Christmas spirit and traditions. We expect it to um, just infer the Christmas spirit onto us mm. just by it being around us. And that's not how it works. Otherwise, that would be the case. That could be the case the rest of the year. Mm. Is that just by nature of it? being proclaimed Christmas time, it's supposed to come on to us. And the fact that it doesn't drives us into a much lower frequency, a much lower mood. Mm. And we have to proactively choose to just, you know, climb that mountain and get on that, get, yeah. get on that high horse of Christmas spirit. Which by the way, there is a, uh, artist named Sarah Groves. Do you guys know Sarah Groves? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had, I, I had read a interview with her, but she had said that one of her traditions for Christmas is actually starts at about the beginning of the year. She, they mm-hmm. draw names, just like you would before Christmas, but this time they go throughout the entire year thinking about gifts for this person. Nice. And they will just that. sprinkle it through. So like Christmas becomes the culmination for all of that. Ooh, I love that. And I'm like, I really want to do that, you know, yeah. but that's a beautiful sign of creating your own tradition mm-hmm. and then letting it be that special thing yeah. that the holidays give. And that's kind of cool because then that flushes out the idea of we're talking about community relationships. Over this year, you have this person on your mind and you're like, you know, how can I, oh, hey, you're doing that. Cool. Do you need that? You know, just yeah, it becomes yeah. an opportunity to bless yeah. somebody throughout the year. And then, you know, the next year you get somebody else. But it's like, hey, those relationships you were talking about, Adam, are still forged. And you're like, yeah. you know, hey, are you still doing that music that you did? And you remember that I got your name three Christmases ago? And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I like that. It's, yeah. I do too. And that eliminates the need for a list because you're expected to all year long, not mm. just within a month's time, actually figure out. What has this person been talking about? What's their, what are they moving towards that might actually, I could get a gift that's useful to them or just intriguing to them, whatever it is. Yeah, very focused. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to mention that to my family. Yeah. Uh, But kind of, I also wanted to throw this in there, Jerry, to your last point, though. um, What I thought you were going to say, and I think it's still very true, was um, this uh, unrealistic expectations that we think that because of the holidays, things are going to be great. Yeah. And for a lot of people, things are not great. 
And I think that puts us even more of a soured mood because we're just like, well, everyone else has got their family and they got this and that. You know, there's just this expectation that things ought to be perfect and things aren't. But being okay with that, be like, you know, it's just, it's the holidays and it can be rough, Mm -hmm. but still, um, how can I make this a good Christmas even still? Mm Because things aren't ideal, but I, you know, how can I still make it the best Christmas for where I'm at right now? And I think that's... The music puts us in that mood where everything needs to be perfect, and it makes us depressed when it's not. So I think it's yeah. just like, okay, be realistic about it, but really put the joy on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you kind of, we're kind of touching on it, but how do we get it, how do we get that spirit back? And you've kind of talked about mm-hmm. new traditions. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add about getting that spirit back? Um, it's kind of musically based. <laughs> Just <laughs> coming from the pianist, it's, yes, and you, can, you can agree with me. So I think it's one of the things that makes Christmas music identifiable as Christmas music in just tonality and just the music part. I think it's what is it the is it the minor seventh or the diminished seventh? That's the diminished seventh chord that's like very common in Christmas music. I think is what it is. I can see the diminished seventh, probably. Yeah, I think I it's the know. diminished seventh. <laughs> it just so, sounds right? like an epic TV <laughs> show. <laughs> the diminished seventh, uh, as opposed to magnificent seventh. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, but it's uh, that's a sequel. It didn't do too well. In the there box we go. Office. Yeah. So, uh, but what's funny is just like it's it's just funny about that. That's the name of that chord. I'm pretty sure that's it. The diminished seventh. It resolves to something, right? And it resolves okay. to something. Yes, it resolves to a a major chord, but. It, I think it's uh, one example would be if only in my. It's kind of that oh, the, yeah. that low note there yeah, the that yeah, yeah, yeah that that brings you into the dreams. This nice pleasant re- resolution there, and that's kind of the Christmas spirit there too. There's that uh, that kind of minor hopeful note. It's mm-hmm. kind of that, and I, I re- would relate that to um, a humility that's going to spawn into this this wonderful time of christmas so you have Mm. to have kind of that low note of humility to come into christmas you can't have this uh this high pump upness that's gonna this pride that comes in of like i'm gonna make this this great thing and you think you're it's all about you um or i'm gonna get these great presents you can't come into it like that you've got to go with this low note of humility and you'll end up with this just this nice peace and joy of christmas time so Relating music so, to so Jerry, yeah. the, the answer is just the power of music. Yes, and I love Christmas music. I'm the guy who listens to. There's like a week in summer where I will listen to the Michael Bublé or Carpenter's Christmas album. I'm just in a Christmas mood for some reason, and then I'll start my Christmas music listening sometime in November. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, one last question before we wrap up: uh, What is a Christmas gift that you have got for? Um, you don't have to say who it is, but you can just say what's one gift that you're really excited for someone to receive this year. Oh. Oh gosh. Um, so we have a yeah. I, I'm buying for my brother-in-law, uh, but I am. He has a. I mean, it's like something small, but like he's getting a hat this year, uh, and he's it's it's from this company that he follows and whatever. But like even just that is it's exciting to give it because I get to give. It's not just that, but some other things that he gets. But it's just really nice for him to have everything that he asked for you know so i would just i would just say you know nothing too specific but just like that is that's enough to give me joy i'm very modest <laughs> you know it doesn't have to be grand or elaborate you know hmm. I, yeah. um so my my most exciting gift um 
that I'm most excited for is kind of a three folder that I got for uh, the girl I'm courting, and uh, I sent it to her parents. So there's no chance of her actually opening it up too early. <laughs> but uh, it is. I kind of went for the trifecta of the uh, like the ha ha gift, the aw gift, and the oh my gosh gift. So it was kind of a threefold. So I got a. Um, we had a funny conversation about pumpkin spice and whatever i she we both worked at starbucks at different points in our lives and joking over the pumpkin spice crowd uh, and so i got her a pumpkin spice scented candle and then nice. I, that's the haha gift and then i got her she wants to own a nonprofit someday so i got her this box that has uh it's a puzzle box you have to figure out how to open it and inside oh, cool. i have a note and 50 dollars cash in there saying this is my first donation to your future charity i believe in what you're going to oh. do and then the final that's gift cool. was um Outside of my own short little letter I wrote her was a, uh, she has a blog um, that I've been going, secretly going through, copying into, um, uh, into a document, editing it, and created the, the artwork and everything, published it into, not published it, but printed it off into a full book and sent that to her. So that's going to be at the top of the box. Mm. And so that's kind of the, oh my gosh, gift. Mm. So her entire blog turned into a book, which she has been told she needs to do by several people. So very good. Oh, that's awesome. yep. uh, one of my the gifts I'm excited about is for my nephew. He's about two now, and I haven't seen him in a while. But my sister's texting me like, "Oh, he likes construction, like you know, just construction things and this and that." But I, when I read the text, I didn't read construction. I read destruction because <laughs> I know he's very just you know he's a he just moves around. He's constantly touching stuff and move you know. So anyway, I, I was like, you know, what would be something that would be very, like, non-destructive that you can actually work with? And I was like, I wonder if I can find a strong arm Armstrong, like, stretch doll sort of thing. Oh, okay. That way he can just go to town on that. So all from reading, just reading a text, that's what spawned that. So I was oh, like, great. yeah, well, we'll see how that goes over. Nice. But anyway, uh, guys, thank you so much for listening to this uh, episode of uh, Cinema Rapid Trails. We do wish you a Merry Christmas, and uh, this is our last episode for 2019. So this has been David, Adam, and Jerry. And we wish you a Merry Christmas, Christmas and a Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. We'll see you guys next year. <laughs>